Today's message is entitled, Shattered Dreams. It's found in Luke chapter 24. We'll be looking at verses 13 through 35. It's the story of the, of the two individuals on the road to Emmaus. We know it was Cleopas plus one other person. It could, be, it could have been a woman who was on that road with them. Uh, we do not have a description of who that other person was. But we know that there were these two individuals on the road to Emmaus who had an encounter with Jesus. Well, today is Mother's Day, a day we celebrate our moms. It's a day I really look forward to. I don't know, there's something about Mother's Day. There's more people who attend church. It's just kind of fun. There's a lot of buzz around the church. Um, I also look forward to just reflecting upon all the things that my mom taught me. You see, my mom was one who loves life. She still does. She just is full of life and enthusiasm. She's an encouragement to our family. She has seven sisters and one brother. And when we would all get together as families, it was just a wonderful time. We would get together often on Sunday afternoons, and my mamaw would ring the dinner bell, and we would all come together. And it was just great. We'd play ball afterwards and just kind of grew up in this strong family atmosphere. Well, my mom, she had the greatest laugh of them all. Hers was the loudest and the most enthusiastic, and she loved life. And so that's one of the things that I think that she gave to me was a zest for life, a good, strong work ethic and a a zest for life. And I appreciate so many things that my mom taught me. She taught me uh, a lot of things that helped me later in higher education. She taught me about philosophy. Why? Because I told you, that's why. <laughs> My mother taught me about sociology. You know, bad, co- bad company corrupts good morals. And she was right. She taught me about religion. You better pray that that comes out of the carpet. <laughs> My mother also taught me about anatomy. I swear, if your head wasn't attached to your body, you would lose it. My mother also taught me about mathematics. One, two, rarely, rarely did we get to three in my household. Finally, my mother taught me how to appreciate a job well done. If you boys are going to kill each other, take it outside. I just cleaned the house. Thanks, Mom, for all the things you taught me. I also learned in youth ministries to never stand between a mother and her child. I, I had that illustrated for me this week in Nature. Um, I asked Jeff Bacon if he would help me get some of the lawn mowed, and, and he was new to the Dixie Chopper, and this Dixie Chopper is kind of a big machine. It's 72 inches wide, and it's heavy, and, and there's a lot of force behind it. It's the fastest mower in North America. If you love to mow, see me. I need your help. But it's, it's just fun to mow. And so I said, let me mow this steep part since you're new to this. And uh, so I hopped on the Dixie Chopper and I started running down. And within the first minute of mowing, I came upon this killdeer kill bird. You've seen them run around the church property here. They have real long legs and they're real fast and they scamper around. They make this screeching noise. They're really kind of cool. I, I like them. And as I was coming up, she was right in the center of my mower. And I was just going full speed ahead on the fastest mower in North America. And she was not going to get out of my way. As a matter of fact, the closer I got, the bigger she got with her wings, as if she was bigger than the mower. I'm not going to budge, she said. 
And she looked at me until I got within inches of her, and finally she scampered off. It occurred to me that she probably had a nest nearby, and so I went back and looked. I could tell you today that there were no deer, no birds killed for this illustration. <laughs> a mother. You know, you love your children. My 24-year-old son texted my wife yesterday, and here was the text. In case I go missing, I went hiking on the old, ra- old rag trail. <laughs> What a text. Happy Mother's Day. (laughs) In case I go missing. I thought, you know, you'd think the boy would have enough sense to text his father. I wouldn't worry about it. I would just say, you know what, if they find him dead, they'll give us a call. (laughs) That was my mother's approach. But, you know, mothers have dreams for their children. And we have dreams for ourselves, don't we? We all have expectations for the way that we want life to turn out. We have all kinds of plans in our minds. Even from the time when we were small children, we had dreams. Dreams of being an astronaut or being a fireman or a policeman or an actress. We had these dreams. When I was five years old, I had this dream. Now, don't don't laugh, and it'll date me quite a bit, but I had this dream of being a red skeleton dancer. (laughs) I would run across my family room and it had a tile floor i run through the family room i would slide on my knees and throw my arms back as if to say ta-da and my family would laugh and i just thought that would be the greatest thing when i was five years of age we have dreams but our dreams quickly move from childhood dreams and are exchanged for the american dream we dream about what we're, life is going to be like after high school Will I go into professional sports? Will I make it to the Olympics? That was one of my dreams. Will I be able to go to the college of my dreams or marry the girl or the guy of my dreams? We dream about what type of occupation we should pursue or how many kids or children we might have. We dream about the type of house we might build. We dream about our future. But then there was that moment, that moment when all of a sudden one of your dreams was shattered. That moment when you discovered that maybe life was not going to turn out just the way that you had thought. Hence the title of today's dream, Shattered Dreams, or message, Shattered Dreams. You see, no one ever dreamed that they would have cancer at the age of 36. Nobody ever dreamed that they would be fired at the age of 54. No one ever dreamed that they would be divorced twice by 45. No one ever dreamed that they would be alone at age 36. Or that they wouldn't be able to have children. Or that they'd end up bankrupt. Yet every one of us has had some aspect in our lives where we've had a shattered dream. Where life didn't work out just as we thought. In our study today... Ashes to Fire. It's a part of our study from Ash Wednesday to Pentecost Sunday. We look today at two followers of Christ whose dreams had been shattered. You see, the master, the one that they uh, revered, the one that they looked up to, the one that they loved and followed, he was horribly put to death. Put to death on a cross. It was a cruel death. It was a degrading death, this crucifixion. It was shameful. Christ, their Messiah, 
our Messiah, was held up as a public spectacle. He was spat upon. He was beaten beyond recognition. It seemed like it was just a week earlier that the crowd had gathered and they were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And so these two disciples, these two followers of Christ were just despondent. How could this be? It just seemed like yesterday that they were ready to proclaim him as our earthly king. That he would restore Israel back to its great strength that we once knew. That he would overtake the tyranny of the Roman Empire. But now, he's been crucified. And it's been three days and he's been in a tomb and that tomb is sealed. You see, their hopes, their dreams had been dashed. The band of Jesus' followers was now leaderless. And they were falling apart. The two of them were on this road towards home. They'd given up all hope. After all, it had been three days. Their entire world had come apart. And these two despondent disciples summed up their feelings in verse 21 of chapter 24 of Luke. We had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. Let's look at verse 13 through 16. We find that Jesus draws near. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other and everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. Jesus draws near. You see, a ray of light enters in their midst. Jesus draws near to them. As Christians, we need to know on our road of disappointment, on our road of despair, on our road of shattered dreams, Jesus draws near. Did he not say, never will I leave you and never will I forsake you? Did he not tell the parable of the 99 who were safe and accounted for, and he went looking for the one? Well, here we have two disciples, two followers of Christ, despondent and in despair because their dreams had been shattered. And Jesus draws near to them. And he draws near to you. He also offers to us. I want to tell you this, too. He not only sought after them and cared for them, but he cares for you. Because Jesus died forsaken so that you never would be. Did you hear that? Jesus died forsaken so that you never would be. He died so that we might have life and have it to its full. He comes and sends us His Holy Spirit as our comforter and our guide. And we are not forsaken. But Jesus speaks healing into their situation into their shattered dreams. Look at verse 17 through 21. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still. Their faces were downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked, 
about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, a powerful in word and deeds before God and all the people. The chief priests and all the rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this has taken place. It's been three days. There's no hope. That was their thought. Now, I want you to observe something here in Jesus' response. For Jesus acts wisely to the disciples, to these followers of Christ, and we can learn great truth from this. He waited for them to speak. You see, Jesus could immediately reveal himself to them. He was the answer that they were looking for. And yet he waited for them to speak. And in his patience, he was able to hear their troubles. You see, when we deal with mourners, those who are going through difficult times, mourning the death of a loved one, those who are mourning the death of a dream, it's important that we allow the swelling heart to relieve itself. You see, there's been many times I've been in an emergency room called late at night, and and I've learned over the years it's important to be slow to speak and quick to listen. Because if you are the person in that room is going to share with you what their story is. And until you hear their story, you have not earned the right to offer those words of encouragement. So be slow to speak. Be quick to listen. You see, there's good in letting sorrow, there's good in letting let sorrow have its tongue. There's something healing about that. We've all experienced those times where we just needed to share our story. I, I think about a husband and wife, and, and the, the wife comes home and says to her husband, Honey, you're not going to believe what they're wanting us to do at work this week. And the husband's quick response is, Honey, I keep telling you, don't tell me about that. Talk to your boss about that. You see, his response is that way because, well, he, men typically like to fix problems. It's our tendency And if we can't fix it, I don't want to hear about it. That's my tendency. I have to work really hard to listen. And you think as a pastor that would be a natural thing for me. But I've learned over the years to be slow to speak and quick to listen. Sometimes we need to just simply acknowledge we don't have to fix the problem. We just need to hear it. But the truth is, in in hearing, we can help bring about encouragement and, and point the individual to the one who can bring healing. Because the healing does not come from us, but it comes from the Lord. You see, these two troubled followers of Christ, though they knew it not, were telling their sorrow to Jesus. See, you can tell your friend about your problems, and maybe you'll find some relief. But the truth is, true relief comes when we seek the throne of Jesus. Christ is our Redeemer. He is our, to be our chief confidant. I love what Hebrews says about this in Hebrews 4.16. It says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So be slow to speak and quick to listen and point others to Christ 
who can meet their need. Verses 22 through 27 reminds us that Jesus then points them to the word of God. In addition, some of the women amazed were women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. These two followers of Christ, even though there were witnesses to an empty tomb, still did not believe. For it was inconceivable to them, for he had been dead three days, that he could possibly be alive. And all hope from their perspective was lost. And Jesus responds to them in this way. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Jesus says, look at the scriptures. In the scripture, it tells that I must die. This death. That I must pay the price for your sins. And he points them to the scriptures. Max Lucado in his book, The, the, uh, the Cross of Christ, identifies 332 prophecies of Christ that were given prior to his birth. So Christ points them to the scripture. See, there's no better guide on the road of shattered dreams than the word of God. When faced with the whys of life, when we ask those deep questions, what happens now, where do I go, to whom can I turn, Jesus pointed these followers of Christ to the Scriptures. He reminded them that there was a higher purpose, that God was still in control. And the Scriptures also remind us about the things of God. This next verse reminds us of the invitation, how it rests upon us to invite Christ into our hearts and our lives. I like Revelations 3.20 because it says, Behold, I stand in the door and knock. If any man hears my voice, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. Well, these gentlemen invited Christ in. Look at verse 28. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued as if he were going farther. So he, acted, he continued as if he was going on, and, and, but they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening, the day, and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. The invitation of Christ is extended to us, but he will never force his way into our lives. We must invite him in. He knocks at our heart's door, but we must invite him in. On that day... For these two followers of Christ, if they did not extend that invitation, Christ would have gone on. But they invited him in, and Jesus was able to minister to their needs. The invitation of Christ is beautifully illustrated for us in the Old Testament tabernacle. In the outer court, the sinner could bring a blood sacrifice. There was also an altar that they would make that sacrifice on. And after the sacrifice was made, they would go to a great big wash basin. It was a... a uh, a great big brass kettle that uh, held water and 
two to nine spigots around it. And, and they would open those spigots and they would wash their hands and then they would wash their feet. And after they had purified themselves, then they could go into the Holy of Holies and they would go behind a veil. They would open up that veil and in that first section of, the, of that holy place, they would worship God. And it was dark in there because the veil kept out the light. And there was a candlestick. And on that candlestick, that was the only thing that lit the room. And the candlestick represented the light of Christ. There was also the showbread. And the showbread represented Christ who would be the living bread of life. And there was also incense on the altar there. And it burned representing the prayers that were lifted to God. But only once a year could the high priest go into the Holy of Holies. There was a purification process and he would go into that Holy of Holies. But only once a year could he represent the people there. But when Jesus died for you and for me, and when he proclaimed, it is finished on the cross, that inner curtain was ripped in two, allowing us access to God. And we can daily enter into His presence and go boldly into His presence. We can enter into the Holy of Holies because He is risen. He is risen. We can enter into His presence because He is risen. Verse 30-35, through Jesus reveals Himself to the disciples. When he was at the table with them, he took bread and gave thanks, and he broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. Do you remember that moment when your eyes were opened and God revealed himself to you? You see, he draws near to you. The invitation is there for you. But you must invite him in. He's there. He's able to meet your shattered dreams. He's able to hear your plea and your request. He draws near to you. At once they got up and returned once to the Jerusalem. And then they found the eleven and those that had been assembled together. And is saying, it is true, the Lord is risen. Has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on their way, how Jesus had recognized, how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. I, I don't know what caused them to recognize our Lord. Maybe it was his hands. But at that moment, the presence. The power of God was with them. And in this moment, the presence and the power of God is with us. And he says, I draw near. I'm here. Won't you invite me in? I don't know what your shattered dreams are, but God does. And and we're pointed to the Messiah. And he'll point us to the Scripture. And he'll help us. Are you living for Him? Are you becoming the person He has created you to be? Are you trusting Him? Are His dreams your dreams? 
Would we stand together? And I want us to sing, I will serve Him. Because I love Him. As we sing that song this morning, Jesus is here. And if you want, you can draw near because He's already come here. He's in this place. And He wants to meet you this morning. He can meet your needs. You can share it with a friend or you can share it with the Master. The throne of grace is open to you. Won't you come?